You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I am Grant Goldberg, joined by Spike Friedman. And Spike, uh, you know the, I don't know if you're a fan of community, but there's a there's a certain gif where Donald Glover walks into a room with a bunch of pizzas in his hand, and everything's on fire. Uh, that's what it was, basically, uh, logging on to Twitter yesterday morning, and just having all day uh, arguments about Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, uh, who needs to go, who needs to stay, and uh, it was it was just a train. It was a something nasty to watch. Yeah, and I'll say just before we dive into the life of the Seahawks, this is the Lockdown Seahawks podcast. The I'd say I'd say the premier four day a week Seahawks podcast on the internet. I don't think there's another one, but if there is, we're better than they are, right. uh, and I'm going to say that. Uh, and, and and before we dive into some Twitter talk, remember you can always follow us both on Twitter. You can follow Locked On Seahawks on Twitter. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can do all these things. We're a podcast. You do all the podcast things because yes, we're going to talk about the horror show that has been the reaction of the Seahawks. Genuine. It's it's the second blowout loss in the entirety of the Russell Wilson era. The first came last year against Aaron Rodgers without Earl Thomas in Lambeau Field. That's the sort of thing you got to swallow. But this week's loss was tough to swallow, and the indigestion among Seahawks fans is palpable. It is it is uh, palpable. Yeah, we we are the pizza guy on fire. We. Uh, Evil Troy is good Jared Goff, I guess, under this <laughs> metaphor. Uh, what are some other community refs? Chevy Chase is Jeff Fisher, and so he <laughs> had to go um, after revealing himself to be increasingly evil over the run of the Rams. Uh, yeah. I, I feel, I I feel think... like if we try to take it any further, it's just going to be a stretch. So I'm going to cut <laughs> us off right there. You think, you think it'll be a stretch? I, I don't think it it would be a stretch. I think it has been a stretch from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> like like we said, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Grant Goldberg, and Spike is at Spike Friedman, and Locked Seahawks. On Seahawks is at Locked Seahawks. And so we'll we'll have all our content that we usually have on there on our Twitter accounts, and you can find our shows on LockedOnSeahawks.com, and Wherever you listen to your uh, podcast, basically, if there's uh, an app that you use to listen to your podcast, let us know if we're not on there, and then we'll do our best to get it on there so you can listen to us, because we want you to listen to us. We have large egos that need to be inflated by uh, strangers <laughs> we don't know. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so, and so speaking of large egos, I think it's time to dive into just sort of where this team is at in the wake of essentially giving up the ghosts in the division. Now, actually, you know what, before, before we dive into that, let's just say I don't know that the Seahawks are as unlikely to win the NFC West as everyone thinks right now. I think most people think the most likely way for the Seahawks to make the playoffs is the Falcons, who looked very vulnerable against the Bucks last night, that they lose to really really good teams in New Orleans and Carolina, and we managed to eke out wins against Dallas and Arizona. That's obviously the path of least resistance for the Seahawks to make the playoffs, but Grant, I'm going to argue 
The NFC West, not out of reach. You ready for this? All right. I'm, I'm getting prepared as you speak. So, so continue, and then hopefully I'll, I'll catch up and I'll, and I'll get as excited as you are. Okay, so first things first, the Rams have to beat the Titans. Now, or the Rams have to lose to the Titans. And that's possible. Seahawks lost the Titans. Titans are a good team. The Rams are much better than the Titans, but they're doing it on the road. they got to go and deal with Tennessee, I believe, in Tennessee. That's a losable game for them. Like, are you kidding me? The, the Titans are loaded with talent. they got Marcus Mariota. they got that run game. They're going to the, throw... The the thing about the Titans, and I'll cut you off just briefly, it's not a situation really comparable to Jeff Fisher and the Rams, but Mike Malarkey is really what's holding that team back because it has so much talent, yeah. and uh, he's really just botching it. I, there's not a better word that I can come up with right now for that. Absolutely, but I'm just going to say that that game is not, not a gimme for the Rams. Now, the oh, game yeah. that obviously looks like a gimme for the Rams is closing out against San Francisco. That said, San Francisco is 3-0 with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. They're unbeatable. They and, and this all is allowing for the fact that the Rams are really good. They're number one in DVOA right now. They're incredibly healthy. They are, by any accounts, a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. But, but they get 100% lose to Tennessee. They've lost to worse teams. And then San Francisco, their offense has genuinely gotten significantly better with Garoppolo under center, moving up, I believe, from like 27th in offensive DVOA to like 15th, which, you know, 15th best offense in the league. It's not great, but it's like right around where the Seahawks are, and the Seahawks beat the Rams once in Los Angeles. Yeah, they're a real team in San Francisco, and you pair a Garoppolo with getting better in Kyle Shanahan's system. I don't know, man. Like, I'm just saying there's hope. Like, right now, I feel like the odds have it at, like, 2% that the Rams will lose both those games and the Seahawks will win both their games. And I think it's more like 7%. Right. And I, so I just I just want to leave that door cracked open. I, I will say this. Jimmy Garoppolo has never had a pass go incomplete against the Seahawks. And he's yeah. he's, he's been a perfect passer <laughs> against the Seahawks. So, you know, given that sample size... Uh, you know, the Seahawks beat the Rams, and the, the Seahawks uh, beat the 49ers. And the and the 49ers played the Rams close with, with who, Brian Hoyer at QB? Like, yeah, either him or Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a bunch of points on that Thursday night football game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they should have won that game. Yeah, it was, it was a complete, you know, crap show, but, like, there was no defense played. And, obviously, the, both teams are better, so I'm not saying, like pick the 49ers but yeah. i'm saying like watch out because the 49ers are sneaky they're that annoying this team is, you predicted them to be exactly they are they have become what the prophecy foretold and we are lucky that we created the prophecy sort of by uh, injuring cj bethard and i i'm just saying we're dumb and dumbering this man right. the, i'm saying there's a chance there's i am chance. saying there is a chance that the Seahawks still win the NFC West. We have I am a, saying we have a very large cork board with like a bunch of like different pins and uh, different conspiracies on on you know how the Seahawks have missed are like in jeopardy of missing the playoffs and like what has happened and scenarios for to for them to make the playoffs. Uh, we'll we'll get back to more uh, crazy Seahawks playoff scenarios right after this. 
We are back from the break, and Spike, like we mentioned opening the show, uh, Seahawks Twitter was in flames yesterday, <laughs> uh, mainly centered around Russell Wilson, centered around Pete Carroll, and yeah. I'm of the mindset that when you have a franchise quarterback, you kind of build and tailor the system around him, rather than yes. find... I, I saw someone make this point, and it, it adds on to mine, then uh, force your... your franchise QB to operate in your system. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say this about the Russell Wilson question is like, you, you can't really move on from him. Uh, there's no backup on the roster. There's no one there. They, there's no, there's no kid. There's no, there's not even a Nathan Peterman on the roster. Really? Jesus. There's no high upside option. There's nothing there. There's nothing to suggest that you can. I will say the reason that that conversation has centered around that, the question of the quarterback is if you look at the Seahawks roster right now, there are just more holes on it than there have been since John Schneider took over. Uh, especially if you project forward, some of the people who are going to be moving on some of the draft picks that are going to be coming up. If you look forward, there are like five or six holes that are going to need to be filled this off season and they're going to need to be filled in a year where the Seahawks are short on draft picks and short on cap space. So part of the way in which you fill holes is by having two shots for every roster hole, basically. You need sort of two picks to fill a slot because you don't know if someone's going to pan out or not. But right now, the guys who should be taking over, the guys who should be coming up for their second contracts, are the people from the 2013 and 2014 Seahawks draft classes. Now, those draft classes are terrible. They are terrible. The only significant contributor from those draft classes still on the team is Justin Britt. And he's, you know, he's fine. Like, Justin Britt is fine. But, like, let's, let's look at this 2013 draft. Kristen Michael, not around. We need a running back. Jordan Hill, not around. We happen to have filled defensive tackle, but we don't have that pass-rushing defensive tackle under contract right now. Sheldon Richardson could be the, that guy. Malik McDowell could be that guy, but we don't have that role filled. Chris Harper, wide receiver. We're short on wide receivers. Jesse Williams, defensive tackle. Who I don't even remember Jesse Williams. Theron Simon, cornerback. Boy, howdy, this team is going to need a cornerback next year. <laughs> then you got Luke Wilson, who's our number three tight end going forward, not under contract, unlikely to be re-signed. And then Spencer Ware, who, you know, is really good, but he's not a Seahawk. Ryan Seymour, Ty Powell, Jared Smith, Michael Bowie. None of those guys are contributing on the Seahawks right now. That is the draft class that should be our guys. Then go to 2014. You got Justin Britt, okay, and you've got Paul Richardson, who is a maybe to re-sign and only will re-sign because he's too inconsistent to demand a big contract somewhere else. Then you go down, Cassius Marsh, gone. Kevin Norwood was gone right away. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, gone. Jimmy Statton, gone. Garrett Scott, gone. Eric Pinkins, gone. Kiero Small, gone. You're talking about two years in a row where you have one and a half significant contributors to this team. That's not good enough. You can, and so you the can... only way... You have two options then. You either accept having a couple holes on your roster or you burn it down by getting rid of your starting quarterback. The obvious right choice is to accept having a couple weak spots on your on your roster. We've lived through that before. Last year, all those weak spots were on the offensive line. We can live with that. But if you're someone like 
who is obsessed with the Seahawks draft philosophy and understands their roster construction philosophy and understands exactly where they want to be. And someone on Twitter who is that way is Davis Sue. He's incredible at understanding where the team wants to be and they are not where they want to be. So he's thinking about how would they solve that problem? You can solve it by getting rid of Russell Wilson. You've just created a much bigger problem. So I get why people would think about losing Russell Wilson, but they're looking at solving the problem of having two bad drafts by lighting the whole thing on fire when that isn't necessary because you look at the next couple drafts and you've got guys like Frank Clark well, that's and Tyler Lockett from 2015. And you look at 2016, you've got Jaron Reed, Nick Vanna, who could still contribute. Uh, Jermaine Fetty. Again, those aren't great drafts, but those are workable drafts. And this most recent draft has some good players. It's got Nas Jones. It's got Shaq Griffin. It's got Ethan Posick. It's got, you know, Amara Darbo could contribute going forward. There's a bunch of guys. Chris Carson obviously could be an RB1. So there's no reason to burn it down as sort of those drafts have gotten better. But the reason that it looks real bad is we had two total clunkers in a row. Yeah, I, I'll say this. You can tell that Spike is super passionate about this because he was clapping his hands during the during the conversation. <laughs> I was actually, if you watch, I was gesturing and I'm like moving my fists around and having fists collide sort of like atom smashing for the <laughs> nuclear reaction of how terrible those 2013 and 2014 drafts were. It's, it's, it's a reaction fueled by just the absolute <laughs> horribleness like, Kiero Small is a name I haven't heard in years. <laughs> I think he was forget. a fullback. Oh, you better you better believe. He was a fullback well-known for hitting himself in the head with a <laughs> helmet, I believe, and bleeding. Or was that someone else? That might have been. But I think that was him. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, and I will say, Jesse Williams, uh, I think he <laughs> had cancer, if I'm not oh. mistaken. Um, it, yeah, was a whole, right. it was a whole thing. <laughs> but uh I, I will say this and even even Tyler Lockett, he he was awesome his first year and he was projected to, you know, make all these strides and obviously he didn't. So I'd say next year is, is a huge hit year for him and especially yeah. since it's a contract year, like I, I think he's a very capable player and he can very well go somewhere else and succeed. But uh, I'd like for him to do it for the Seahawks because he's he's obviously has the capability of being an exciting player, a player that uh, makes explosive plays and and sets the Seahawks up a good field position when you know other factors around him like the kickoff coverage or or you know things like that you know help him out. But he's gonna need to do stuff on his own. He's gonna need to make people miss. He's gonna need to get open more so than he has in the past few years. And yeah. uh, I think his impact in, in more than one phase of the game, obviously, is going to be significant going forward for the Seahawks in a year where they don't have a ton of draft capital to uh, ex- expend trying to fill a, a kickoff returner position or a, another wide receiver position, especially if Paul Richardson walks. Yeah, and I think if Richardson and Lockett were both up for new contracts this year, you might give it to Richardson. But I think because of the timing of how this is going – and the, the constraints that the Seahawks have around him, you kind of got to let Richardson walk and hope that Lockett can get fully healthy, get his speed back over the offseason, and look like that player he was as a rookie going into next year, and then pair him with Baldwin and hope that Darbo steps up or hope they can find a guy who can be that third option uh, as a pass catcher. 
I think that's how you have to do it, even though it's unfortunate. Again, it's another situation where you look at this roster and sort of for the first few years of John Schneider's tenure, everything went to plan. Everything clicked into place right where it needed to. Right now, things are not going to plan. And if you're a planner, if that's how your brain works, it's got to feel terrible to be a Seahawks fan right now because not only are they unlikely to win the division, they still could, but not only are they unlikely to get a home playoff game this year, they're unlikely to frankly make the playoffs this year, but they're also unlikely to be better next year than they are this year in terms of pure roster talent. Right, if if they're going to be better with the current roster makeup that they have, they're going to rely they're going to need to rely on these guys that are injured right now to be yeah. healthy. They're going to need to rely on a guy like Malik McDowell whose status with the team with his injury was already in question, but now uh, with some off the field issues is, you know, even more in question. They already took his ro- uh, signing bonus away, but uh we're going to need guys to fill in like that. We're going to need a guy like Amar Darbo to step up and a guy I mean, not as a, a full-time corner, but Nico Thorpe to you know get you know better suited to play some snaps if if that's the case. If they can't really bolster that position in the draft or free agency, yeah, yeah, and I feel like they're going to have to be trading down. I mean, it's just a tough. It's going to be t- this this off season is going to be very tough for John Schneider in a way that he has not faced a challenge like that yet. Right, I think that you know it's it's gonna it's gonna suck obviously to watch them trade down from the first round, being yeah. that they they have the high they're gonna have the highest pick they've had in a few years. Yeah, but, uh, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, if it if it all unfolds as it's currently projected <laughs> to, uh, yeah, it's I mean they're gonna need to trade down because of the lack of picks that they had, uh, trading for Sheldon Richardson, trading for Dwayne Brown trying to infuse the roster with as much new talent as they can, hoping to land on something. Because you're right, they haven't, they, they've had very spotty drafts in the past few years. Uh, granted, you know, we have Frank Clark, like you said, Nas Jones, like you said, and even Chris Carson, but, you know, he's hurt. We're going to need him to come back from injury yeah. and, and be the player he was before. And that's hard to do he's... with an ankle injury because we saw how Tom, it affected Thomas Rawls, and we can't, we can't rush a comeback we, like we saw Thomas Rawls do. Yep. Yeah. I, and well, and I mean, Carson, it, I mean, Carson could play. I mean, if we're alive for a playoff spot, he could play week 17, which is wild to think about. Anyway, we should probably take one more break. We'll be right back after this, wrapping up today's Locked on Seahawks podcast. We are back from the break. This is the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm Grant Goldberg. You can find me at Grant Goldberg on Twitter. And that Spike Friedman is on the show, like always. And you can find yeah. him at Spike Friedman on Twitter. And Spike, you know, there's been a lot of negativity, like we've been saying, a lot of pessimism. But, you know, there are still some silver linings that we can find throughout yeah. the Seahawks season. I think that we need to, we can look hard to find them, but they're there. Spike, do you have any that, you know, you can, you can find right now for the listener? Yep. Maybe you can find something else later, a little more in depth that you can talk to about and, and calm them down, basically. Yeah, I want to have some optimism going into these last two games uh, because if we win them both, we got a decent shot at this thing. And I will say, as bad as the Seahawks' run defense looked last week against Todd Gurley, and as daunting as the challenge is against a Dallas offensive line that's very good and Ezekiel Elliott fresh coming off of a suspension, which is uh, its own bag of worms that I don't yeah. really want to get into. Uh, but, but 
I will say that as bad as we looked last week, Bobby Wagner should be way more healthy this week. He barely was able to play safely last week. He's another week to heal up and regain his speed and strength. So you can imagine him being a more effective version of himself, maybe more like a 95% Bobby Wagner versus the 70% Bobby Wagner we see missed tackles last week. And then the other part of it is K.J. Wright will be back. Uh, he's not officially through the concussion protocol yet, but all expectations are that he will be on Wednesday. So that sort of gaping hole in the second level of the Seahawks run defense that allowed for those game-changing Todd Gurley runs, those long runs that weren't just five or six yards, but were 10, 20, and then that long touchdown run, uh, those probably won't be there even against a running back as good as Ezekiel Elliott, which gives us some hope going into this week. What we saw last week from the Seahawks was uncharacteristically bad, and I don't think there is a reason why we should expect them to be just as bad again this week. So that's, yeah. you know, that's the optimism I have. What do you got, Grant? Well, I was just going to add to your point. That was the worst we saw the run defense since probably the Tennessee game early on in the season. Uh, and like, like we said, uh, Bobby Wagner's going to be healthy. KJ Wright's probably going to be healthy. So we we, ha- we can be optimistic going against Ezekiel Elliott, which is kind of weird to say given what we just watched. But there's reason for it. And a uh, reason for, uh, I think, a better game for the offense, more specifically Russell Wilson and the offensive line, is because the Cowboys don't have an Aaron Donald. And yeah. uh, the difference of Aaron Donald between whoever the Cowboys has is significant. Aaron Donald against any defensive tackle is significant. But uh, their, their pass rush is mainly on the outside, which is one of our strengths on the left side. And then the right side, I think they're going to have a Fetty going up against uh, Demarcus Lawrence, which is not a favorable matchup for the Seahawks. Nope. But, but uh, at the same time, you look at the whole offensive line versus their whole defensive line, and it gives reason to not be calm going into this week, but definitely worry less about when less about the Cowboys pass rush than against the Rams because the Rams just attacked Russell Wilson. They they threw him to the ground and he they shook him to the point where he threw a ball behind him backwards out of bounds and uh, it kind of had everybody scratching their head why he didn't just take the sack. So that's how shook he was and we were all pretty shook uh, in the <laughs> aftermath. The Seahawks should be better even though the Cowboys have similar strengths to the Rams the very specific matchups that are going to be in play which is edge rushers instead of instead of interior rushers and us having our linebackers versus not having our linebackers effectively they're they're much better suited to face the Cowboys this week than they were against the Rams last week yep and the Cowboys are really good. There's no reason to think, and and they're getting better. I mean, they're an eight and six team. They're similar in a lot of ways to the Seahawks in terms of like overall talent level. And some of those matchups are you know ugly, but like some of them are like fine. Like again, like the Cowboys secondary isn't that good. It's not as good as the Rams. They're not as healthy as the Rams. I mean, Sean Lee will be healthy, which is. Uh, I don't. I, okay, we don't. Let's just stick with the silver lining. We talked about the good things that could happen. Let's wrap this up. We're going to talk more Cowboys later this week. Right. I think uh, one note that I want to leave us on. I think that this week we should see a good game from Doug Baldwin. Now, if we don't see a good game, I think there's really reason to believe he's dealing with an injury that we don't really know about. Yeah. Yeah, the I don't even who is the slot corner for the Cowboys. I don't know. I'm not. I, gonna I, it might be Orlando Scandrick. I don't know if he's healthy, but I think that's the guy who's over there. 
But uh, yeah, this this has been you know we're we're closing the show on a good note. I think yeah. that we can we can close the show more often than not with optimism, especially about the Seahawks because they give us reason to be optimistic a lot of the time, and we ignore it a lot of the time. But uh, I think I think it was a good show. I think that it it warrants a five star review from you, the listener. And if you leave that review, leave your Twitter handle in it, and uh, you can be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge membership. You can play a draft on draft.com. You can use the promo code LONFL, and you can get a free draft on your first time. And so while you're not uh, a big baller spending dollars at a time like Spike, you can, you can test the waters for free. Yeah, yeah, you can get your money back if you lose. All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Is that it? That feels like it's it. It feels like it's it. So for Locked on Seahawks, I'm Grant Goldberg, at Grant Goldberg on Twitter. And I'm Spike Friedman, at Spike Friedman, also on Twitter, also signing off.